why these straight men struggle with their freakiness. When that kind of stuff is talked about, it's often delivered with judgment. So it doesn't leave us feeling too motivated and inspired. And also, with trying new things, where do we get information from a trusted source and not fall into the danger of being labeled gay? Lovers and friends, friends. I'ma take you on a trip, baby, I don't pretend, I say. Lovers and friends, uh, I'ma hold you down, down to the end, I say. Lovers and friends, uh, I'ma hold you down, down to the end, I say. Let's talk about sex, baby, specifically why are so many straight men so close-minded and unadventurous when it comes to sex? A group of us were on vacation in the Bahamas and the topic of anal play came up and I casually mentioned, yeah, I've tried it before. If a guy's into it, I definitely will stimulate his P-spot. And the guy that I was hooking up with at the time wanted no part of it. He literally hopped out of the pool, soaking wet, grabbed his sneakers and he's like, I'm not going to be seen with a girl who openly talks about stimulating guys in that way because I don't want people to think that I'm into it. And like literally seconds later, you hear his car tires like scream out of our apartment complex and he never talked to me again anytime i want to do anything besides blowjobs or missionary like he just does not want to do that at all i wanted him to go down on me and he refused because apparently jamaicans didn't do that i dated a guy who wouldn't let me kiss him on the neck because he said that it's a girl's thing i've had a lot of sex with straight males but I've had a very limited experience of them actually being freaky and wanting to try new things, such as like using sex toys. So I'm with a very typically straight, very dominant type of man, and he doesn't even like it when a woman initiates sex. But where are my manners? Let me shake your hand before we grab this episode by the balls, right? I'm Sham Boudram, a public-facing sex educator with an educational background in sexology, psychology, and journalism. This is Lovers and Friends, a topical podcast about sexuality, love, and or attachments that happens to be nominated for an Ambie in the Best Wellness or Relationship Podcast category. This episode, we are diving into the topic of straight men's sexual range, or more specifically, lack thereof. To help me do this, I have words of wisdom from the legendary sex educator, Dan Savage. I have a sit-down heart-to-heart with men from the Hard or Soft podcast. And lastly, my husband, Jared Brady, gets together with the closest men in his life to get their honest reflections on why straight men are more concerned with dominance and masculinity than pleasure and self-expression in the bedroom. We, of course, get to listen in on this conversation. A few weeks ago, I sat down with Kevin Samuels and then the roommates to talk about the current divide in many straight men and women's sexual needs and values today. The what is that it's becoming evident that while the LGBTQ plus and straight women's sexual liberation movement is thriving, straight men's sexual liberation is kind of non-existing. Let me clarify my point here, because immediately you might be thinking, what are you talking about? Straight men have all the space to be sexual since they're the ones who write the social sexual script. And this is true. Straight men are sexually liberated as long as their liberation includes activities and desires that fall in line with their role in the script as the dominant, masculine, emotionless, unquestionably heterosexual sex stallion. Many who fall outside of that box find themselves being forced through both internal and external factors to get in line or get really, really good at covering their off-the-heteronormative path tracks. Those who are too afraid to venture outside the box at all 
often suffer from side effects of sexual repression, which include strict adherence to traditional gender roles, confusion or disgust towards your own sexual preferences, misinformation about sex, an aversion to learning about sex and fear that new information could highlight your insecurities, guilt and shame surrounding sex, plus the projection of those onto partners, either desired or existing. And lastly, a disdain towards those who are not repressed. So when I hear sound bites like this. So I knew that this girl had not had a lot of sexual experience. And there is something special about a chick who doesn't have a lot of sexual experience. Because everything you do to her is all brand new. What I really hear is someone who has three sexual activities and arguably three ways of executing said activities. So in order to create a novel experience with a partner, they need somebody who has no experience at all. If that person's sexual repertoire was explorative, innovative, and evolving, they would not need to limit their partner's sexual activity in order to be regarded as a high-value sexual partner. When I hear this... Because a woman has to get to a certain emotional point to cheat on a man. But a man does not have to get to that same emotional point to have sex with another chick because you can still love your girl the same and go have sex with other women. It does not work the other way around, though. That's why cheating with from women is unforgivable. I hear a person who is afraid of their partner's sexual appetite and would rather think that it is tied to something controllable like a committed bond versus something unpredictable like sexual attraction. I also hear someone who does not view sex as an activity that women just enjoy if there isn't an additional incentive attached to it, like money, status, or a relationship. And since that kind of person doesn't believe women are interested in sex just for the sake of pleasure, that kind of person is not likely to think that they need to invest time in learning how to provide new pleasures for their partner. But this is not where we're going with this episode because the conversation doesn't really start with the what, does it? It begins with the why. So if sexual liberation and a rejection of the masculine, dominant, emotionless, extremely straight and suffocatingly narrow model would help men have better sex and dramatically help them to become better sexual partners, especially for their straight, increasingly sexually savvy partners, then why aren't all men getting on board? Furthermore, why are some going as far to try and stop the train altogether? To dive into this more, I invited Dan Savage, who was arguably the most influential intimacy advice columnist in American history. Dan is an American author, media pundit, journalist, and LGBT plus community activist. He writes Savage Love, an internationally syndicated relationship and sex advice column, which recently celebrated its 30th anniversary. As someone who has been at the forefront of conversations about sex positivity and liberation, I asked Dan for his thoughts on why. I don't think all straight men are sexually oppressed in the bedroom, but I think most men who are sexually oppressed are straight men. And it's not just straight men's fault, it's mostly straight men's fault. Straight men make the rules that we all have to live by, but also straight men are oppressed by those same rules. And gay men and straight women and bi men and bi women participate to an extent in the oppression and policing of male heterosexuality. Because it's not just straight men who perceive male heterosexuality as a bundle of two negatives. You know, to be a straight man, for many straight men, is to not be two things, a woman and it is to not be a faggot. So anything that is 
perceived as feminine or associated with gay men or homosexuality, a straight man can't go near that thing because his claim to straightness then could be called into question. So in this sense, male heterosexuality is fragile in ways that people from more, you know, oppressed groups, women, gay, queer, bi, men, our sexualities are less fragile. No one can take my gayness from me. No one finds out that I slept with girls in high school and says, oh, you really couldn't be gay. You couldn't have done that and really be gay. You're not really gay. There was a study of cortisone levels where they compared, and that's the stress hormone, they compared cortisone levels in gay men to cortisone levels in straight men. And they found uh, not what they thought they would find. What the, the researchers found was gay men had lower levels of stress hormone. And I get a lot of letters and I've gotten a lot of letters over the decades I've been writing Savage Love from straight men's girlfriends who ask me if their boyfriends are really gay. Often what they cite is not, you know, he's on Grinder and has condoms in his pocket and comes home with his ass blown out. What they say is he likes to have his nipples touched. What they say is I was giving him a blowjob and I touched his butthole and he came. That means he's gay, right? You know, if we want straight men to be more sexually liberated, to be more fun in bed, we have to stop policing straight male sexual expression. We have to stop scrutinizing it for evidence that this straight guy, this guy who tells us he's straight, might not really be straight. And then maybe straight men would feel as free to invent themselves sexually as women increasingly feel free to invent themselves and as gay men feel free to invent ourselves. To bring more light and personal reflection to this topic, I am thrilled to introduce you to Orlando and Tahoe of Harder Soft Podcast, a show where men candidly speak about their exploration in the world of sex. The goal of Harder Soft Podcast is to provide typically taboo perspectives of men being open with their sexuality while simultaneously providing a place for women to understand and boost men's comfortability in this realm. I promise you are going to live for this conversation right after this. What would you think the average person would consider a freaky man? He does probably one or two things that the average person would do. If you put your toe in your mouth, then you're freaky. Yeah. <laughs> See, I would even push it. I think that they would consider something like he spits in my mouth or like- I was about to say He fluids. chokes. Yeah, some kind of fluid mm -hmm. exchange. But I don't even think that they think of that because there is such- a limitation on activities that yeah. a heterosexual mm -hmm. man can do or a man of sexual women can do. And I think I think that's the communication aspect. Being able to be open. Like how open is a heterosexual black man really gonna be about his kinks? Things that turn him because kinks for heterosexual black men normally are things that you're gonna tuck away. Yeah. Because the community is gonna shun you for that. You know what I'm saying? Men will shun you for it. Women will shun you, shun you for it. You know what I'm saying? Your family might shun you for it. So you're not going to say, hey, I like being tied up. Or, you know what I mean? I like somebody to punch me in my nuts. There's no, there's no space for that in our community. Um, but with us being able to communicate and talk, and I think obviously for her, the first thing was, do you like a finger in your butt? And I was like... I'm not against it. I, I don't. I don't show me what yeah, you mean. Can I like get an example? For it, but mm -hmm. 
hey, it's you. I trust you. If that's what you want to do, you know, fuck it. Let's just have fun. Mm -hmm. And we had that type of fun. And then we started exploring more. And I hired two uh, dominatrix for her birthday. She didn't know. Um, she was just sitting up in the room. We were drinking and, and chiefing a little bit. And then I had one come in one door and another one come in another door with their whips. And I had to sit in the corner and watch. And it was an uh, interesting time because what all of a sudden- What a great birthday gift. All of a sudden- Jared, I'm, why have we never thought about that? I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. That's a great birthday gift. But then you realize in that, that's when I realized that sex was so much more because they had her screaming and yelling and they don't have a dick. They don't have that. And this is my main go-to is my dick. <laughs> but they had her, yes, mistress, yes, mistress. Mm -hmm. And they're doing all of these things. And I'm, she was so wet and happy and exhausted when it was over. I was like literally blown away by this experience. I think the anxiety probably just took me over. So they was like, come over here and let us suck your dick. And my dick was like, no. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't want to. And... Um, <laughs> From there, we started going to sex parties or play parties and things of that nature. And um, even going to those, I was not as as confident of a man that I normally am. I was not present at the first one or the second one, really. It wasn't until I really got comfortable with the space that I was kind of able to walk around, dick out. Like, I, I remember the first time we went, she we was like, oh, you want a drink? And I was like, yeah, I'm going to go put my pants on. She's like, I got it. And she walked across the room in her panties to the thing. And I'm just like... Why is she so confident? Like, why is she so comfortable here? Because I'm like, no, let me cover up. And I realized I had work to do. Sex toys for men. What are the options? Because we're now, after the pandemic, 50% of people bought a sex toy. Mm -hmm. We're going to assume that majority of those people were probably people with vulvas. Mm -hmm. So more mm -hmm. vibrators, more dildos, mm -hmm. more nipple clamps and simulators than yeah. usually things that, that are for women. But there's this entire market for male sex toys yep. that exists and that thrives in other countries, but not in America. Hmm. So for people who have never even heard mm -hmm. of a male sex toy before, what are those? Um, so male sex toys could be um, toys that you could use solo. So you can have a masturbation toy, um, which basically you can hold in your hand, put it on your dick, and it might have like a silicone or a gel feel, and you could just use it to masturbate. My favorite one of those is um, it's called the Hummer Sleeve, and it's like translucent or transparent, so you can see... Um, inside so i will put my dick in it and you can see my dick inside so as it's jerking off you can like see the dick go in and out but there's a hole at the top so if you put your thumb over the hole while you're jerking off air escapes but nothing goes back in so it creates a suction feel oh. as you're jerking off yeah and then there's uh it's basically it goes on the head of the penis and just vibrates on the tip so you can like masturbate while using it but then the head will get very sensitive and it's it's um i wouldn't I like it for when I come because the vibration in the head when I come is maybe like trip over my own feet. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but sex toys for women makes a woman freaky. I mean, for yeah. I think more of an evolved man because there's still a sector of the population who looks at it like if you use a sex toy, that means that I'm not doing my job. So it becomes like an ego challenge for them. So mm -hmm. there are still a large percentage of women who are struggling to even say like, I use a vibrator in my free time yeah. um, to bring that into the conversation. But then on the flip side, there is a sector who was like, yeah, if you're into BDSM, if you bring in the Benoit balls, if you bring in the lubricant, like if you bring in the BDSM, like that's sexy and hot. Mm -hmm. yeah. But sex toys for women is progressive. It's liberating. For men, it means you're a loser. Mm. That, I think, is the stigma that a lot of people are fighting against. Women 
have become more the agency of their bodies. They have started doing more and learning their bodies more and exploring more. And if we as men just stay in one space, they're catapulting past us mm -hmm. like on so many different levels. And it's like, yo, men need to realize that the power of sex is mental more than physical. It's, it's about literally exploring every part of her being. So why wouldn't I want to incorporate that? Why wouldn't I want to meet her on that level? When my girl showed me her drawer full of dildos and vibrators and uh, wrist straps and all types of stuff, I was faced with a, a fork in the road. Yeah. Either I stay over here because she's going to use these. This is not, this is not, I'm not replacing these. <laughs> so either incorporate them or get lost. And that's kind of what got me into being a little bit more explorative. All right. So what's your freakiest story? Oh, you you gonna make me tell the, the prostate thing? Oh, I love that story. <laughs> I'll go with that because it's a sex toy, right? We're talking about sex toys. So, being that we do the the anal plays in some ways, she bought me a prostate massager, which vibrates and it, it goes in the uh, anal region, and we having sex. One thing I didn't realize though is that when you climax, you tighten your butt. Mm. So we're going at it and I get to climaxing and boom, I nut, but the pume sound wasn't coming out the front. <laughs> it was the prostate massager launching out my ass across <laughs> <laughs> the room. <laughs> yeah, it was better that way than the other way. <laughs> God damn. So, Cause you got to walk across the room, go pick it up off the floor. <laughs> wasn't my greatest moment, but it was funny as hell. Was it one of your best orgasms though? Um, Nah. I think one of my best orgasms had to be maybe two weeks ago. And I grabbed her as I was nutting. And I was just like, oh, 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 oh. and the nut, the, the, the saliva like poured out of my mouth into her ear. Her hair. I was like, oh, oh, oh. If I'm going to say that was one of the hardest nuts because I couldn't control it. And I didn't worry about my demeanor. <laughs> I didn't worry about any of that. And unfortunately, I had to comb a little bit of uh, saliva out of her hair. Because you know what's fascinating? Even that is a break from the suppressive masculinity, I'll say. Because I actually had a sexual partner years and years ago who was a silent orgasmer. Oh, jeez. Because it was the fear of making an effeminate sound. So even getting to a place where you allow your body just to do whatever it wants. And we always talk about this, how if you watch porn from the non-hearing community, the sounds they make are so drastically different from the sounds that we usually make. Mm -hmm. um, and that goes to show that even though sex is supposed to be a place of freedom and of bodily expression, it's heavily socialized. Mm -hmm. The sounds we make, the faces mm -hmm. that we make, yep. the things that we say. They're all this like rehearsed act that we're mm -hmm. going through. So it's in moments like that when you allow yourself to break free from that and it's experience. One, the best sex is possible, but two, real sex is actually possible. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. And it's, it, it's so crazy that even the way you have sex is socialized. Men are thinking you gotta kill it. You gotta, you know what I'm saying? And every woman is different. Mm -hmm. Of course, my, my lady, thank God, she does like it when we go at it. But then it, there are times when she wants to be just held and stroked. And I think that men aren't, we, we are really stuck in making sure that our masculinity is seen. You know what I mean? Like, yo, I'm this, I'm this type of guy. I'm not... <laughs> I'm, not I'm, not this, I'm not wearing a crop top. top. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care about that. <laughs> so it's, um, it's very interesting how the, the, the fight that we have to give back um, women as well, but men as well, to be able to get to their regular selves without the pressure, without society. And I think that's really what our... Um, 
our players on our show. I had a conversation <laughs> with Kevin Samuels about a week and a half ago when we were talking about the gap that's happening right now with sex and sexual, sexual liberation, that women in every class that I'm in, it's 80 to 90% women. And if there are men there, they're usually gay or bisexual men. Then, mm-hmm. then very, never ever black, mm-hmm. but mostly like white men or some other kind of man who's there. And then furthermore, that what I'm seeing online now is that there's a rise in dialogues that are archaic. Like there's a rise in the body count dialogue all of a sudden, mm-hmm. like that's important mm-hmm. to men to talk about. And then also a lot of sex toy shaming, which to me feels like I'm not feeling like I'm catching up to women. So I want to pull women back. I want them to have less experiences and less knowledge so that I still feel like what I'm bringing is adequate to the bedroom. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily like a a pulling or a holding back. I think it's just a fear of being left behind really for men. I think um, it's very apparent that they see uh, the direction of how like sexual liberation is going. And um, It, it is it's scary uh, to feel left behind. So I think it's more of like a desperation reach than like, I want you to be pulled back. But don't you think, pardon me, mm-hmm. I think they're scared of what women are going to think. Yeah. Because like I said earlier, it's not just the other guys that you're scared of ridiculing you. You're scared of the other women. There's an, an old thing where uh, the guy says, don't tell the group chat that you used to finger pop me, that you used to put your finger in my mm-hmm. butt. Now I'm showing up to the dinner table and all your girls is looking at me laughing and you don't want to be the guy that's outed from the cool table by the ladies. We do most of our things that men do is for the ladies. So, but you have a lot of women that are holding on to archaic views of sex as well. And not saying that it's y'all fault, right? I'm not saying that it's women's fault, but men are scared of that judgment. Women, men, we do everything from wearing Jordans to chains to our waves. Everything is to attract women. So if that one thing comes out that I like to do this and now I'm ostracized from that community and I'm I'm, I'm ridiculed by ladies all over, where do I go from here? I mean, I agree with you partially on that. I think think within that fear, um, straight men, um, we, we tend to go the extreme. Um, I don't think we're necessarily ostracized. We're going to hit the group chat and our life is ruined to say like, we like, we like our balloon knot to be played with. Balloon knot is a butthole. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, or bitten. Yeah, or bitten, right? Who bites buttholes? I bite buttholes. It's that fun. sounds great. Oh, it feels great. Yeah. Um, the angle for that seems tricky though. I, I make it happen. <laughs> but I also, I, I think that um, <laughs> within, within the matter of like being left behind, there's never been necessarily a language for straight men to thrive in for like sex toys or to be, um, uh, to, to propel forward within sex. Um, just like recently I was joking around on Twitter, but like partially serious when I was saying that don't call sex toys, sex toys. If you want to be more comfortable, like as a straight man, like call them something call of duty worthy, like an attachment or a clip, like something that makes you feel more comfortable with using it. And, um, just marketing wise, it's not marketed towards straight men. Um, so we don't we don't necessarily necessarily see the language that makes us comfortable or even things that makes us comfortable. Um, women are wild and crazy. So they want sometimes they'll want the big, huge uh, dildo. And when we see that, it's just like, I don't want to grab that and put it in you, but give me something that's molded or catered like more towards me and what I like, and then we can navigate from there. Right, say and- you have a smaller member. You're insecure about your smaller member. And you pull out a dick extender. What's the chances that a woman will? Oh, you don't pull out. Ridicule you. You don't start. You don't start with a dick extender. Yeah. 
not. Yes, you will get I didn't ridiculed. I didn't think I didn't, I didn't think you were gonna that. bring out the dick extender to pummel me on the first try. No, please, I am gonna ridicule you. This is weird. But if you even if you me up to and it. y'all got there and then you go get a dick extender. I, and then but that's a conversation that's to a have. Group, that's a hell of a group chat laugh. But I think that confidence within yourself to not worry about what other people think and, and the criticize critis, criticism from all these people around you and say, I'm standing ten toes down, this is what I like. And not saying I'm not saying that confidence is the answer. I'm just saying it's it's a, a step in the right direction. I will say that no, when he started this journey, everybody laughed. Everybody laughed. <laughs> but he has so many more women now. Like ridiculous. He has foursomes every other weekend. He has orgies. I have my sub he pick has, up other girls. To he bring has to the so airport. many that it's kind of <laughs> like the guys are now like. You can't laugh anymore. Yeah, because I could have sex with a dude who does doggies as being freaky mm-hmm. anytime I wanted to. Mm-hmm. To find you, right, you're like exactly. a, a one in probably 100,000 dudes. So right. like, yeah, like the numbers would pile up for you. Right. Yeah. And also, just for the people out there listening, one thing that you can do to get into the sex toys is every month order one. That y'all, like it becomes a fun time for y'all to try out this new toy. Yeah. If whether it's you order one for your lady and she orders one for you, mm-hmm. and y'all bring it to the table and y'all play, you know, with it together, it becomes more of a like a jump of, of uh, adrenaline to y'all sex lives. It's mm-hmm. Something that you it's can like just planning add date to night. It. Yeah, it's like play a date night. night. Play night. I, I try my best, go. my brother. I try. My best. <laughs> <laughs> if we're talking about like how to sex toys and how to make men feel a little more comfortable. If you want to get to like the, if you want a guy, if you want your guy to be more comfortable with it, it's like ass play, don't go straight for the ass. Go for the gooch first and then like put pressure on the gooch while you're like massaging or um, giving head or anything like that. But always stick by the gooch and distract them with the penis and then you slowly work your way down. Every time y'all have sex, slow you slowly work your way down and then... You'll see that. You'll see or, that he probably likes to... Don't have him play. in a compromising position, though. That's like, right. I think that men just think about the sub-nature of getting your ass a, a yeah. lot. Yeah. Like, it's it's just the positioning. Like, they always like, oh, what what position do you get your ass in? Like, it's all about not being, uh, looking like a woman or feeling gay. That is, like, because the, the ass is the region that men, um, heterosexual men... Uh, compare to gay. It's the gateway to gayness to them. Mm-hmm. So you want to, for me, I would think that the e- an easier way to do it would definitely be to do a standing up or something that is in a way that doesn't make them feel mm-hmm. like they're turning into sub or doing something that is is resonated yeah. for And then once you feel the, the pleasurable benefits of that position, you're like, ah, oh, it'd be more logical for me to be somewhere where you get easier access right. than yeah, right. like not thinking about it like so destination focused. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I want to do ass play. Instead, it's like, let's get started on you being comfortable right. with me stimulating areas aside from right. just your penis. Exactly. Yeah. And the verbiage could always um work, have some help because instead of saying, oh, let's do ass play or I want to play with your ass, like a woman could tell you like, baby, I just want to utilize your whole body pleasure that was really good you know what's actually very fascinating i was having this conversation i was mentioning a couple weeks ago and i was saying that i don't actually know of male sex educators who are doing this work and making it cool and accessible us either well i think i'm sitting across from two of them right now so we don't consider ourselves educators because um well men are dumb we definitely don't want to come off like we're telling nobody what to do and i think that as far as heterosexual men especially black men 
they would rather somebody talk to them as homies than somebody talk down to them or try to tell them about them. themselves. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, this was wonderful. I want to end things off with a guided suggestion. I'm trying not to say an education bit, but like <laughs> yeah. if you were trying to help women who, one, they want to be their full freaky self in the bedroom, but they feel like they can't because they would intimidate their partner. Mm-hmm. Or two, they want to encourage their partner who they feel might be very stifled to explore more in their body. What are, what are some things that you would suggest? Ladies, if you want your body to explore, DM me at W. Oh, oh, Jesus. <laughs> I knew it. The minute he, the minute he did that, I was like, oh my God. I was getting God. very excited. Educated me. I was like, this is going to be great. <laughs> Teach them something. Um, yeah, you go first. I'm not sure. I mean, I think that um, mutual masturbation is is a great start. Mm-hmm. It's something that a guy's used to, um, and it doesn't take him so far. But I do believe, honestly, I completely believe that the best, best, best thing to do to get somebody to open up to you is to talk. Damn it! It is to talk. It is to have certain conversation. It is to you took your play. It's to sorry. <laughs> You it said two. It is to it's to it's to pry it open through communication, through you know, stay away from his butthole at first, especially heterosexual black men. Just at first, get him into the feeling of exploring, into using your vibrators, into incorporating it into the bedroom where it it isn't like you're replacing him. You guys are a team, and once you get there, you can explore. All right, let me throw this question out there too, because you talked about that women are part of the problem, so they want more space to be. Um, sexually liberated and sexually free in their relationships. And they also want to provide space for their partner, but may not be realized that they're using sex negative language or oppressive language in their everyday vernacular. Ooh. Like, you know, kind of, I was mentioning this to Jared, how it's so sad to me that, you know, there's this body positivity movement for women, but every time a penis shot leaks of a celebrity, it they becomes a free for all, right? So keeping that in mind, like what would you like to see in women's culture in order to make more room for men to achieve liberation sexually? Um, Earlier accountability. We're all going to say the wrong thing, use the wrong vernacular, everything that you said that women do. Um, Sometimes after that and how you go about it really is more, is is very helpful. Um, And the part that they play in misogyny or whatever the case may be. I think it's it's very deep into, into our society, into the black society. Um, misogyny and um, judgment. Um, it's 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 hard. Like when Nelly's tape came out, and everybody was calling this shit little or whatever, whatever. But most guys don't have big dick. If everybody had a big dick, it wouldn't be a big. Right. It would just be regular. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so it's like it's hard for me to tell women what to do because this is empowerment thing. Well, what would you like to see less of? You're like, hey, I'm not saying to do this, but if you want to see more. Um, I would, I would freedom like, from men, what would you like to see less of in return? Women saying things like, oh, guys, I don't date guys that dance or guys that do ponytails or have too much hair. Anything that makes it seem like regular behavior is bad or gay or turned down on. And not that gay is bad because, you know, it's just, there's this whole You're thing. I kid you not. It makes men scared of anything different to the point where even if you accuse him of that, he can become abusive or he can become like really angry that you're questioning his quote unquote manhood. That Cause he, that's the one thing that you have to protect. Y- your father or anybody that's older that will tell you like, don't never let nobody take your manhood. And there's a million different ways that you can do it, especially as a woman, calling the shit little, telling them that he can't. Those are things that a man will never re- come back from. 
You took his manhood. He doesn't have anything left. Our power, a lot of our power comes from right here in our wallet. You know, so, and then the fact that most of us don't have financial freedom, but that's why they say when you're broke, you fuck the best. Because <laughs> that's all you got. I need somewhere to sleep. <laughs> that's all you have. Um, so those things that um, take away a guy's manhood or make it seem like just being human is wrong. Those are the things that keep men into the oppressive nature, themselves and women. Your partner was... M- Further along sexually than you. Absolutely. Knew more about sex than you. And men had this idea that they're supposed to come in and be the sexually dominant one. They're supposed to teach a woman about her Mm -hmm. body and teach a woman about her pleasure. So you had a partner who was teaching you Mm -hmm. and who knew more. You also saw your partner be pleasured. And then you also acknowledged that like, wow, these other people are able to please my partner in a way that I haven't learned how to Mm -hmm. do yet. Um, And then also you allowed your partner to start anal play with you, which Mm -hmm. is another hurdle. Mm -hmm. How did you overcome all of these um, the soft podcast. <laughs> I would say the heart of the podcast. I think listening to the podcast just lets me um, into how normal being free sexually is. It's 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 sad to be in that little corner where that's all you are, right? And I think that I just I want to be the best lover my woman has ever had. I want to be the best, the most open, the most accepting. I just want to be a dope dude. You know what I mean? And I realized that. Staying in that corner was not going to be it. Somebody's going to please her. When I get up after having sex and leave, she has to always go to the vibrator. She has to always do that. I had a partner that was like that for me. I was like, I cannot, I was doing a countdown, like fall asleep, please. You know what I'm saying? And I had a partner that had to do that. I remember my baby mama, when I left one morning, um, I was going to the train station and I get to the train and I didn't have my Metro card. And I'm like, damn, I gotta go back to the house, get the Metro card. And as soon as I open the door, you mm. <laughs> I was like, really? Yeah. <laughs> right? And I didn't realize it's because she wasn't ever always satisfied. Like sex was one thing, but satisfaction is another. And I'm just on a real big journey to make sure that she's happy. Um, I think that's just when you say protection, providing, it's not just money. It's not just protecting from other people. It's from your own insecurities, uh, projecting your own shit onto them and limiting their growth because you ain't really going nowhere. You know, so I'm, I'm on a journey with her. We're doing it together. I loved that conversation with at Tahoe underscore TV and at WH underscore Orlando Roy. If you didn't catch that, that's Orlando Roy on Instagram. Harder Soft Podcast is available wherever you listen to podcasts. So make sure you go and subscribe and leave a review because if you want to fix the problem, we need to amplify the voices working towards the solution. Okay, so this next segment may not be that exactly. I don't know what I expected, but I do know that if I was going to do the third segment of this podcast, Justice, where there's an informal, reflective dialogue designed to encourage you to spark similar conversations with your own lovers and friends, then I couldn't be there. I wanted to hear some straight men's unfiltered responses to what we discussed today. So I asked my husband, Jared Brady, the host of Enjoy the Podcast, to lead it with his friends. So what you're about to hear is Jared, who sounds like this. It's nice, man. You should try it. His best friend, Los, who sounds like this. I was not a freak. I was a slut. His younger brother, Cray, who sounds like this. I surprise a lot of women. And his brother-in-law, Chris, 
who sounds like this. We're expected to know what to do. So yeah, let's just see how and where this goes and we'll come back together to round this baby out. And also, I'm going to share with you the real reason why I did not put out an episode last week. Sound good? Okay, we get to it right after this. Welcome back to um, Lovers and Friends, <laughs> so, a podcast where we talk about loving our friends. Uh, it's not, it's not that kind of party. It's not that kind of party. <laughs> well, I mean, that kind of. Remember, remember, yeah, that's okay. what I said. I said, you know, the, the thing that's so interesting is that when she asked me to do this, mm. I was like, you want me to sit next to Cray, Chris, and Los and talk about sex? This is awkward. And then she's like, that's the point. There's not a lot of sexually free men. It's and true. so I was like, huh, okay, maybe your, your plan is going to work here and uh, we're all going to get uncomfortable here, but <laughs> I'm not, I'm very comfortable. I'm there. Okay. All right. Well, we're right there well, now. There we're we go. In it. All we're right. In it. <laughs> That's as far as this show goes. Did you guys watch the, <laughs> what are your first thoughts when you think my, about that interview? My first thought was all these years when I was younger, I thought I was a freak. I was not a freak. I was a slut. <laughs> That's all I was. I was not a freak, man. That that Orlando, you a freak. Man. Yes. I was just promiscuous as hell. That's all. Yes. Yeah. What, what, what nah, about you guys? Once I heard that, I was like, yeah, I was like, I don't, I don't really, I don't think I'd be classified as a freak, to be yeah. honest, no more. <laughs> not a freaky dude. Apparently. You know, I don't wear dildos and on my okay. face. And that's okay. And that's okay. That's another level. It's a different level. What yeah. is what is considered a freaky guy? Exactly what they were saying at first, like mm-hmm. put a toe in your mouth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, yeah. you feel yeah. me? You mess with her. You feel me? You eat some ass. Yeah, that's like the level. You're like, oh, you're, you're in her mouth. Yeah, and shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and then you know, you hear his stories, and you're like, oh, I'm not a freak. Maybe. Well, do you think that's because of socialization, or do you think that's just your actual desire? The things that we think are freaky are. Maybe not as freaky as we think they are. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. things that guys are like, oh, I ate ass before. Like, okay, like that's yeah. that's pretty normal, actually. Mm-hmm. They're not really pushing the envelope by I doing mean, that. It's not that. Well, I know. That's off the table. Y'all ain't eating butt. What? I mean, that's it's not that normal. You don't gotta eat a season. That is for like I'm not just gonna eat her ass. You eat pussy, right? Yes, that's not ass. You know, just walk to the backyard, bro. You already at the front door. Wow. Well, you're seeing the levels here, right? I think yeah. that's the point. Maybe so, yeah. yeah, but look, it's just different. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no. One of the things that uh, they, his partner, was saying on the show, I was, I, you know, AP is the gateway to to being gay. Yeah, ass play. Oh, ass yeah, play yeah. is the gateway to being gay, and I think for a lot of men, uh, hetero, straight men. That is true. Well, right? that's, yeah, exactly. I think um, a lot of the times of like our aversion to either putting dildos on our heads <laughs> or, <laughs> or getting our, our ass played with, yep. there's like a level of uh, being like, is this borderlining um, like any homophobic yeah. or homo uh, so activity? You know what I mean? So we got like a, uh, we're limited on how freaky we could be your son. Well, yeah, because of our, 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 our idea, idea of what you yeah. think masculinity is supposed to look like in the bedroom. And so... I, I don't know. I mean, I think for Chris and I, our generation, anything to do with your butt is gay. <laughs> right. Like, Fair point. Breathing on my butt is gay. Like, I me- dude, I remember to the extreme of, and it's shown how much the ideas have shifted over the generations, but I remember um, 
like if you were having sex with a woman missionary, like I remember hearing like like she can't grab your ass. That's some gay shit. Like if a woman mm-hmm. was, you know, to do like this and grab your cheeks, <laughs> like you, that's borderline gay. <laughs> wow. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Back the bro. Back then, it was, like, it, it was then, heavy, then, when I was like. 15, 16 years old, eating pussy was gay. It was a, yeah, you know what? It's what? funny you bring that, yeah, it was yes. a big deal. Yes. <laughs> Chris, no, think about it. No, I know it, I feel you. Yeah. But, but yeah, but I, I would say also being part Jamaican. Can I get yeah, an yeah, explanation on that? We'll, we'll get back to that. Like, Jamaican. <laughs> like you have to think about the music, the culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The songs that women sing in, in, in a Jamaican culture, listen, it's about how he's giving it to her. Yep. Songs admit it's all about, and if you touch anything. Hey, they dance Why? Exactly. <laughs> but it's hyper-masculine mm-hmm. and it's supposed to be male and female. And then we, there's a name, there's words for gay people in in patois that yes, you know are. it's it's not it's not a great look but yeah. so much of that hyper masculinity is transcended there's a difference between like women's sexual freedom right oh. it's like promoted it's it's like gra- rallied behind yeah. mm-hmm. and then like men we don't really talk about it or even rally behind somebody like someone like Orlando, right? Mm-hmm. We're like, yo, you on that side, bro. You know? And then it's interesting because women are just furthering their sexual desires where we're kind of staying the same. Like my penis, this is it. This is what we got. We're going to give you this. And they're continuing to change the way that they accept pleasure in the bedroom. Mm -hmm. And we're just getting left behind. If we're not like, eventually they're they're just going to continue to grow in that area. And we're going to be stuck in this box of like this same way of having sex. Is there any fear in, I mean, is there any fear in that? I surprise a lot of women, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying, when I'm first with them. And yeah. most dudes really don't know even how yeah. to, you feel me, like a, approach a girl's, you feel me? Yeah. Taurus, vagina, what? anything, oh, all that yeah. stuff. Well, they don't say, know what to talk, right? talk about that. How do we approach? <laughs> yeah, you approach. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, do you introduce yourself? Yeah. Like, this, yeah. No <laughs> <little> kisses? <laughs> But it's not that serious, but go ahead. What you going to say? This is what is interesting to me is that like, this is how guys talk about sex, right? There's like a challenging, there's like a joking, yeah. there's like a, a, um, leaving out the specific details at yeah, times. That often, too with, right? with, with crazy, like kind of yeah. like, I ain't going to put myself out there. But, and then when he goes to, we're like, you know, going to attack him for it. And I think it's interesting because when women talk about sex, the friends are like a curious, they're like, wait, what? What do you do? Yeah, how did what do you do? What, what was yeah. it like? Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And so I just find that like, it's interesting. I, I look at it and I hear a lot what they're saying because there's a, there is a, a lot of, um, when it comes to sex, I think as a masculine heteronormative man, yeah. you're expected to know what to do all the time. Right. So it doesn't leave space for curiosity. I want to mm-hmm. pick up on something you were saying there, Jared, that we don't, <clears throat> we're not able as a heteronormative male to yeah. be able to, we're expected to know what to do. Yeah. I think there's a perception versus reality piece to that because yeah. even though we're expected to know that we put that pressure on ourselves, Yeah, right? We don't, we don't actually invite the conversation often. And then at the same time, it makes me wonder like how much, um, at least for myself, I know like, probably the nature of my sexual encounters has kept me from becoming very explorative because uh, I'm not, because I'm not always in a committed relationship. Like a lot of times it is some, you know, fuck yeah. buddy or friends with benefits shit. 
And because we're not exclusive, I may not be comfortable doing certain things extra, with you extra. that I would be comfortable doing with somebody who I trust about where they're going, who they're being with. You know, like mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with you doing what you do, but because of that, I may not put my mouth on certain places because I don't know what you do. There was a um, a part in the interview where mm-hmm. they were talking about the fear of getting put in the, the group chat. Do you remember oh, that part? Oh, yeah, the yeah. With the women? Yeah, there's a there's a fear yeah, like the if maybe I have a fetish or I want to do something freaky, oh, that, I'm not oh, going right, to want right, to do right. it. Uh, you know, I, I might not say anything because I don't want you to go to your homegirls and be like, yo, this nigga did this. Like, what did he do? You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> if I was going in, I didn't I didn't care about the group chat because, yeah. and but that amped up the pressure though. Yeah. It, it, you know, I thought about, okay. I know no matter what, she's going back to the group chat. She's going to. So I need to deliver. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So that, okay, no matter what that goes back to that, that group chat, they're like, oh, okay. Yeah. 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 (laughs) That's the pressure. You don't think about the group chat? No, I mean, I personally, me, I don't really even want to try anything. Like (laughs) I don't have any sexual things that I'm like embarrassed Embarrassed about things that like uh, the freakiest shit I've done is I had my butt ate once. Yeah, I wasn't really a fan of you that. You know what's interesting is that that, that was weird. That Dark. you you know when you're talking about that, bro. Um, there, we did a podcast and uh, we talked about butt play, and you were like, "Absolutely not. Yeah, not I gonna happen. That. I uh, remember no. that. I ain't yeah. going you know, down." And then you had stuff. No, I, 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 I had a woman. I think I said then. That I had my uh, no, but you had another experience. Oh, you know, yes, yeah, I when did. the girl put the vibrator. I was going huh? to bring that up next. Yeah, the, so it was. I've had my booty lick. Wasn't really a fan of that. That was yeah. like, man, not really. And I had a lady put her uh, her vibrator like in the gooch and butt yeah. area. I ain't gonna lie. That was that was that was good. The, yes. the vibrations mm-hmm. and the sensations when you orgasm, it just it, it boosted it up. I can't I can't lie. Mm-hmm. So I'm still not going for penetration. No, no. We, we, I mean, it's, We're it's always hedging. Yeah. Yeah. If you like the penetration and you like the vibration, <laughs> own it. Hey, I'm, okay. I, you know what? I'm not that brave yet. <laughs> okay. I'm not brave enough exactly. to explore penetration yet. I'm, I'm touche. I'll leave that to the to to those who are, are into it. Into I will it. say there was something that I didn't know that I liked that I found out that I liked that I asked for mm-hmm. pretty often now. Um I didn't know I liked nip- my nipples played with. Mm. I thought that was like, it was like fruity when I was younger. Mm. And then like Shan did it. And I was like, wow. Why am I trying to hold back the niggas right <laughs> now? I'll let him out but first. His brother is on him. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, 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 Cray, I'm looking over. Cray is trying to hold Cray it together. Like, Cray, to die. I have never seen you Cray. hold it like Nipples got like Cray weak. <laughs> Look at Cray's face right now. <laughs> no, but, but seriously, when I was younger, when I was Cray's age, yeah. I would never let a woman get near my nipples that no, wasn't gonna happen it wasn't gonna happen i was like no no i'm still with yours. laugh when they try to do it i'm like what are you doing like, but you know me being in a committed relationship yeah. a safe space like where i know she knows my masculinity mm. i'm comfortable with her doing it and now i'm like if i were to ever have another sexual experience with someone else i might be like hey hey listen i'm gonna tell you right now yeah. something that really makes this great is if you uh play with it the nipples was. a little bit is it a pinching or? I'm not gonna describe to you. He wants to know. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> See, this is what this is why we <laughs> can't get no we need, we need the this curiosity. Why we can't get no He's way. curious. He's trying to curious. I sat here and told you I let a girl put a damn vibrator on 
on my gooch and you won't tell me that they're pinching your nipples and sucking them? This is what I'm telling him. This tell him. This how it's done. done. We'll just take notes. We'll just take notes. Y'all just made fun of me, all right? We did. It starts with you. It starts with you, right? We were the same words. Your friends were the same Okay. It's okay. a licking. It's a licking. Maybe right. a little, a little bite, but not like hard. This okay. is like a little, a little bit. Even when she does it with her, with her hands. But she has to, like, she has to like either use lotion or or lick it first, so that's not like dry. Oh right. You right, know right. what I mean? Yeah. It's nice, man. You should try it. Okay. Tell it to go make a request. There you go. <laughs> I hate y'all. I hate y'all. No, you know what? We appreciate your vulnerability and your honesty in this moment because you know what? I started laughing just now is because I had I just envisioned like you know when you go down on a girl you like reach up and you grab the nipple. But that's the problem. That's the problem though. That's the problem. That's the why it's so hard to ask for it because you are the one who's supplying it so much for your whole life. That's a good point because it's something that we always do. So it's hard to ask for something that I'm used to. Like this is. The males, the, yeah. this is the man move, right? Yeah, I'm going yeah. down on you. I'm gonna reach up and play with yeah. the nipples. So for me to like now, like the man for move. me to be like getting some head, and she reaches up and starts playing my nipples. Yeah, like, oh. visual is fucking yeah. yeah. Or, or how about this, bro? Has there ever been? And this is this is what this is what's so crazy about men, you yeah. know, masculinity, masculinity about sexuality. Yeah. Have you ever gone down on a girl mm. and? Adjusted your position because you got down on her what on your knees or something, and you're like, you know what? Let me adjust this position because I'm too vulnerable yes. right now. <laughs> you know I mean? Yes, but that's just like so yes. crazy about our brains, yeah, right? But it feels it I, feels I, weird though. Yeah. I don't it's like a breeze, right? Vulnerable. Exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. instinctively like you feel ex- exposed. exposed. I mean, exactly. you you are, but like. But is that like some thief in the night that's gonna that bust through the door? Like it, feels like, <laughs> it feels like somebody's gonna kick in the door and take your booty while you're sitting It's innate. Thank you so much to my incredible husband and life partner and partner in crime, Jared Brady, for leading that discussion along with Los, who he co-hosts Enjoy the Podcast with, and also his brother, Cray, and my brother-in-law, our brother-in-law, Chris, um, for also sharing his perspective I thought that it was illuminating and fascinating. And again, I hope that it helps to spark some important discussions in your own world. I will say that I do think that there is tremendous hope in Gen Z and the younger generation who is becoming more comfortable identifying as things other than straight, who is becoming more comfortable rejecting gender norms and instead choosing individual expression and freedom of expression. And I think that's probably being reflected in the sex lives as well. Now, Cray is a part of this generation. So, you know, not all change is going to happen across the board for everybody. But I do think that there are definite glimmers of hope and I hold on to those and I hold on to the hope that I get from you being here and a part of this discussion and bringing productivity to it. And again, I really super encourage you, like the male vulnerability episode, because this podcast is majority listened to by women, um, that I want the conversation to extend into other communities and spaces that I don't have access to, but you do. So go ahead and do the great work that you do. Speaking of your great work, shout out to everyone who took the time to rate and review the podcast. As you know, that is a huge marker of success and potential that podcasts have. So that little act that you do goes such a long way. So I want to shout out some people who recently left a review, including Holiday Thorne, who said that the show provokes thought and gives great insight. I had Kayla 
Carla, who said, longtime listener, but the dating in your 20s episode forced me to write a review. What an amazing episode. Thank you so much. Somebody else, Chrissy says, I don't normally go to my way to write a review, but Shan covers so much information and is not only interesting to listen, but also the sex said you probably never received. Thank you for that. Sweet P82 says, I just started listening recently and I love the content and how the conversations are honest, gentle, informative. I love the show and I love hearing that you like the show. I also like hearing that you don't like parts of the show. I want to make this my best work yet. And that leads me to why I missed last week's episode. So the previous episode, which was the Cammie Crawford one about breaking up is fun to do. I talked in the very end candidly about how this past season, and I mean season like the past four months have been really terrible for me. Those of you who know, I've been, I'm pregnant um, with my second child and there was a lot of emotions and also a lot of negative symptoms. Um, and then also a lot of change that happened with my business. If you're on my YouTube channel, you know the transitions in work that we're having. We're having, And it's just been a time of so much change while I feel so uncomfortable in my skin and my body. And so in essence, at the end of the last episode, I said, but don't worry, guys. Next week, I'm breaking up with first trimester me. I'm joining a gym. I'm starting a meal plan. I'm going to get my life on track. I'm going to hire somebody you know, to help me out, to take my work workload off. It's going to be amazing. Ryu's going to get sleep training. Everything's going to be awesome. And I ended up having the worst week I've had in a very, very long time. Um, I got sick with a cold, which put me on a complete tailspin. And I realized about my life that everything is so perfectly in balance at the bare minimum that if one thing happens, I'm completely thrown off track. And so that cold really just took me out and also took me on a dark path of just feeling really angry um, for a few days. And then the comedy of that is my house was broken into um, on one of those days and I had a confrontation with the person who broke into my house. And luckily I had a cold because I was able to tell that person, I have COVID, you need to leave right now. And I had the voice and the symptoms. I did not have COVID, but I appeared to have so. And then further to that, I ended up with a stomach bug a couple days later. So I was just going to do a podcast episode that was basically this, a pity party, a poor me, but furthermore, me highlighting a lesson that I learned actually years ago during another dark time that I went to when I first moved to LA. And I made a mistake back then that I see myself making again now that I've got to put a stop to. And that mistake is that when you're in dark times or times of uncertainty, what I tend to do is I tend to connect the dots looking forward. So because I want to get out of where I am so desperately, I create these scenarios based on things that are not entirely in my control that are going to happen. And then as a result, when that doesn't happen, I'm completely on my ass and I'm reeling and I'm reaming and I'm angry. And my favorite quote is, you cannot connect the dots looking forward, only in looking back. So instead of having a plan, sometimes you just need to have faith. And I think that that's where my shift is really coming from. There's something beautiful, you know, Jared has this joke where I always say next week will be my good week. And he's like, you literally say that every week. And I'm like, yeah, because I, I kind of have to believe it. But there's a difference between believing it and creating an entire lifestyle and schedule and plan based on something that you just don't have all the information for yet. So last week was my week just to give myself space to feel shitty and to be shitty and not to put out a shitty podcast as a result of that. Yeah, that's why I missed last week's episode. But hopefully it won't happen going forward because we're going to stay together and stay on top of things. But if we have to make a shift, then we'll talk because that's what we do. So I'll talk to you next week. Bye. Lovers and friends. Lovers and friends. 
I'ma take you on a trip, baby, I don't pretend I said, lovers and friends uh, I'ma hold you down, down to the end I said, lovers and friends uh, Lovers and friends yeah, And I said, lovers and friends uh, I'ma hold you down, down to the end I said, Lovers and Friends is executive produced by Shared Entertainment, Sham Boudram and Lauren Morrison also produced by Stitcher's Jackie Sojiko, Two West Entertainment's Adam Krasner and Isabel Gallant, as well as Paul Anderson, Nick Pinella, and Andrew Greenwood for Workhouse Media. Engineering by Peter Karam. The Lovers and Friends theme song is produced by Sean Ross and performed by Jared Brady, who also does the scoring and sound design. Jasmine Henley-Brown is the executive producer at More Sauce, and this podcast is powered by More Sauce from Stitcher Podcasts.